Welcome back to Amazing Avenue in Conversation. My name is Brian Salvatore, and I'm joined on the show today by artist Blake Jameson. Jameson is a New York-based artist who was one of the uh, artists chosen by Tops for their Project 2020, in which there will be a limited series of cards made by 20 artists of various different players. There are a few Mets in there, including uh, Doc Gooden and Nolan Ryan, and I talk a little bit with Blake about his Nolan Ryan card, but we're really talking about his art career in general, what inspires him, why he likes to uh, paint pro athletes, and a lot more. So check it out. So, Blake, let me ask you, you know, uh, when I was a kid, there was one guy in my school who could draw Spider-Man perfectly. That was like yeah. his thing. He was the school artist, and Spider-Man was his thing. When you were young, what was right. your thing you drew? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I drew a lot of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> um, but honestly, like, I would just, I just, it wasn't even just drawing. It was it was anything creative. I liked actually with my grandma, I would like learn to sew and like, you like would make costumes and I would just wear costumes to school like any day of the year. It didn't have to be Halloween. Oh, that's awesome. Um, like, you know, there's all kinds of stuff like that. Like in high school, I got really into photography and I had a dark room in my parents' house. And so I was, you know, out taking photos and then developing my own film and making my own prints. And so like, it hasn't been like one thing, like, you know, the Spider-Man guy necessarily, Sonic came to mind because I just, I don't know, it was just a little cartoon character that was relatively easy to draw that I, I replicated a bunch. Um, I also really liked Ninja Turtles, so I would draw them a lot. But yeah, it was it was kind of across the board. It was like all types of creativity, anything anything creative uh, I liked. What was the best costume you made with your grandma's sewing machine? Man, we had a, we made a pretty cool Robin Hood costume where we made like a quiver and, and had like, you know, like a bow and arrow and uh, made the little green hat. Um, and that's actually the reason that I remember that one is because I, I drew a, like a diagram of all the pieces that I would need for the costume. And it said, you know, it's like a quiver and it said quiver with an arrow pointing to it. And it says hat, cape. Uh, and my parents actually have that drawing uh, framed now in their house. Um, so oh, that's, that's really I'm always cool. reminded of that one. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, you know, I know yeah. a lot of your art is based around uh, portraits of athletes. Were you a big sports fan yep. growing up as well? Yeah, so I, I actually, I mean, I was going to baseball games. My dad had season, t- had season tickets to the Oakland A's um, from, ba- from when I was born. So I started going to games at like age two and uh, went to a ton of A's games. And then we actually moved down to Florida for almost 10 years and we were in Sarasota. And so we would go to spring training down there for the Texas Rangers. We were really close to uh, where they played. And also uh, I believe it was the White Sox um, played at the same stadium. So I went to a lot of, uh, a lot of baseball as a young kid. And then kind of, as I got older and I played a little bit of baseball, T-ball, you know, T-ball and then baseball, but I really, it was a little bit too like boring for me for being like an ADB little kid. So I actually played soccer and lacrosse and wrestling all through high school. And then in college I played lacrosse. So I've definitely been, um, you know, been into sports. I like, uh, I prefer to play it over watch it. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun. Although that's changed now, I'm, you know, I'm 35 and I, I don't play sports anymore except for some like rec basketball with some friends. So, right. Yeah. yeah, but sports has always been a big, uh, big part of my life. 
Okay, what is it about uh, an athlete that draws you to that? Uh, you know, t- to to make art of them. Is there something about the athletic? Like, is, it, is it the person's form? Is it the the feats that they do, and you want to replicate that? You know, what is it about an athlete that draws your eye to creating something about them? Yeah, so it's it's uh, partially because of, I guess, like the athlete, like it's it's capturing a moment in a little bit different way than a photograph can do because with the paint, you can add more, whether it's like emotion or energy or something to something that uh, I just think comes across differently as a photograph. And so I think that sports translates really well to my style of art. You know, it's very like street art and graffiti influenced. And I think that style just matches with you know, these amazing athletic feats that these, these guys are doing. And then on the, on a separate note, like from the business side of things, I actually, I worked in marketing for a long time before I decided to become a full-time artist, which was five years ago. And so like, I understand the marketing and the business side of things. Um, and I really do treat my art as a business as much as anything else. And so I know there's a lot of artists shy away from, uh, marketing themselves or promoting, you know, feeling like they're promoting their work when they should just be focused on the art. I also look at it from the business standpoint of, I want to run a business and I want to have like a specific niche of clients that, you know, that I can continue to work for that will be kind of, uh, there's always more people being added to the pool. So like, obviously new players get for me and then looking at it, like from them as customers, by nature, these athletes are extremely competitive. And so, you know, if I do a painting for one guy and he shows it to his teammates, the teammates want a bigger painting or they want two paintings. And so it kind of just by like their nature, I have this like built in like growth hack or referral system in the business, because as soon as I work for one guy, the other guys want something bigger and better or more. Sure. You know, just because sure. it's competitive. So I think that that competitive nature is, is just as important to me for painting athletes as like the actual moments that I'm capturing. Sure. Now, in terms of the portraits that you do, I've noticed that, you know, some of them you do have for sale on your website, but a lot of the athletic portraits are not for sale. Are, are these are these created with the express purpose of being a unique item in somebody's home and not for public distribution? Yeah, for the most part, that is the case. So most of my work is commissioned ahead of time, and it's commissioned by the player that I'm actually painting. And, you know, it might not be the player. Sometimes it's the wife or the girlfriend or the agent or, you know, their real estate agent or something, anybody that works tangentially to the athletes. But those are pretty much created as one-off original paintings. They're going to the players themselves, and then I'm not, like, reproducing those en masse for – uh, the general public. Mm-hmm. However, there's obviously, there are some cases where that's different. Like I've, I've worked with athletes before where we've done a painting for them and then we've done uh, either a limited edition print run or a couple other original paintings based on the same stencil that I'm using for the first one. And then we're donating that to a charity of their choice or uh, that sort of thing. Or obviously this collaboration with Tops is taking, you know, this picture of Nolan Ryan, for example, and turning it into a card and then that's going to be mass produced, but only for 48 hours. And then once those are sold, then that's all that's going to exist. Right. Do you have one piece that you did for an artist that you just think, I mean, for an athlete rather, that you think, man, if the public could see this one, I'm so proud of this. Damn it. I wish I could sell yeah. it. Which, which, which is the one you're most proud of that you can't sell? Man, that's a, that's a great question. Um, 
I did a picture of OBJ when he was on the Giants that is probably my favorite athlete portrait to date. Um, that's really, really, really cool. Fortunately, like I can still use those type of images and art to promote my business and show people what I can do. I just can't necessarily sell, you know, I, I can't go and sell it to someone else because OBJ has it. So, um, yeah, I think in terms of the athletes, like he's probably, that's probably my favorite athlete portrait. There's also one that I did of another artist, um, Jean-Michel Basquiat, who's one of my favorite artists and a big influence. And I did a portrait of him um, for an art show in Greenwich, Connecticut a couple years ago. And it's, it's funny because people always ask like what my favorite painting of all time was like still to this date, it's that particular painting. And it's hard to explain why, but it just came out so well and it sold right away. But I put so much into it that even though like theoretically, like I could go make another one, I wouldn't be able to replicate exactly what I did the first time. And I feel like I did a, I'm really happy with the work that I did that time. And so I just kind of let it lie. I mean, he, he's such an indelible artist that's, you know, he's his work, even if you don't know the name, you've seen his work or you've seen people emulate his work, you know, Um, what is it about his work that particularly speaks to you? I think because I didn't go to art school, I studied economics at Davis and, and I didn't get really any formal training. And so I kind of have like, I've, I've made this my own style, which is obviously influenced by a lot of other artists and a lot of other things, street art and graffiti being a big part of it. But I think that, like, I, unlike traditional fine artists that are trying to be, like, super, like, either hyper-realistic or, like, very, very precise, I think that there's some magic in, uh, in Basquiat's work, and I try and have it in my own work, that's, that's almost like, um, I don't know, it's like off the cuff. Like, sloppy's not the right word, but you're just kind of, like, going for it, and, and it doesn't end up being perfect right angles or perfect lines or right coloring inside the lines. But like it just you just end up with this like energy stream of consciousness kind of energy that I think comes across in the work really in a cool way. Yeah, I mean, uh, I dabble in music, and I think that there's that there's a similar um, choice a lot of musicians make to make everything absolutely perfect. But to me, it's right. it's, it's the it's the humanity and the the and sloppy's not the right word, but it's the individuality that people bring to their performances that makes it totally. special. And so totally. I, I totally understand what you're saying there. That's really cool. Um, so let's talk yeah. about this, this Nolan Ryan piece for a second. You know, Tops is doing this really cool series where artists are doing yep. interpretations of older cards. And so this is a 1969 Nolan Ryan Tops card. And yep. when, when you were, when you got this commission, when you started thinking about it, did you feel like you needed to represent the art of 1969 in there because the the art is very you know it's very pop art based sort of late 60s you know a little bit of Andy Warhol feeling in there did you feel like you had to represent the time period as well as the player um yes and no I think like so there are 20 different cards that each artist is is remixing into new versions and so I was looking at it in a couple ways like first of all those 20 cards that I'm making I want to kind of be a cohesive set across on its own so I want, if somebody has all 20 of those or somebody sees the full set of 400 cards, they could recognize my 20 cards and say, those ones are all about, done by the same guy, whether or not they know who I am. So that part was important. And that's where I can kind of insert my own style. Um, and, you know, all the techniques that I've been trying to uh, 
perfect, I guess, over the last five years of doing this full time. And then there's also, you know, paying homage to the actual cards themselves, which are all very different because they're, you know, they're anywhere from like the 40s to we've got like the Mike Trout rookie card. So that's a very recent card. And so like, I do want to make sure that also each card shows a little bit of those original cards has some elements of the original card. And so for the Nolan Ryan card and for future, for the other cards that I'm going to be doing, I'm actually taking some of the elements from the actual first card, uh, working with them in Photoshop a little bit to add them digitally on top of the painting that I create. And so like, for example, the big Mets uh, logo at the bottom and then uh, at the top right, we have a little circle that says, you know, Nolan Ryan pitcher. So I just kept those elements the same as the original card had it. Um, and I plan on doing that for the other cards that I'm painting as well. Can you reveal who the other players you're painting are? Yeah, of course. So so all 20 artists, each were given the same 20 reference cards. And so you'll see, like, if you go to tops.com, you'll see, like, there's been a Mike Trout was, um, was released. Uh, let's see, Ken Griffey Jr., Sandy Koufax, um, Mark McGuire, Bo Jackson, Jackie Robinson. I mean, it's, it's a ton of you know, 20 legends and it's going to be fun because like, because each of us artists were given the same reference card, we're all going to do something a little bit different, but also like a little bit the same because it's based on the same reference photograph. Sure. And so what will what, end up happening is like the complete set will be 400 cards because it's 20 artists, 20 designs each, but, there might be like a Nolan Ryan fan, for example, who just wants to buy the Nolan Ryan card from each of the 20 artists. And then they're going to end up with a set of 20 different Nolan Ryan cards that are similar, but different. And then there's other, you know, other collectors that might say, Oh, I really like this artist's work. So I'm going to collect all 20 different cards of this single artist. And they'll have a set that's kind of cohesive. And then obviously there'll also be the mega fans who say, I'm going to get all 400 and then they're going to have the, you know, the complete set. Is there a player among the ones that you're going to get to paint that you feel particularly attached to that someone's like from your era or that you grew up rooting for? For sure. So, I mean, Mark McGuire, a hundred percent is someone I grew up rooting for. And, um, I mean, I have, I have a huge collection of baseball cards from when I was a kid. I have the card that we're painting, uh, you know, the USA team USA rookie card, which is super popular. Um, so I think that that one is one like just thinking about my past, like I'm most attached to that player and that card, but other ones that I'm very excited about, like Mike Trout actually is, is a great example because most of the work that I do right now is for players, either current players or very freshly retired players. And so, you know, Mike Trout is obviously a hall of fame in the making. He's, he's amazing talent and he's current. And so I think that like, I'm really excited to do that card because he's someone anyways that I might hit up and say, Hey, like, let's figure out getting you, let's figure out what it's going to take to get you a painting. And so that one's going to be awesome as well. Now, when I was a kid, I I was born in 82 and I'm not exactly sure Mm -hmm. how old you are, but I was, uh, I was seven years old when Ken Griffey Jr. was a rookie. And so that mm-hmm. I think it was the upper deck rookie card was really rare, and that I had one, and yep. it was my prized possession when I was a kid. Did you have a card that was that was your prized possession when you were a kid? From any sport? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I think like so. I'm I'm pretty pretty close to you. I was born in '85. Okay. So 
I'd say probably the Mark McGuire rookie, which was in the Team USA jersey, was probably the one I was most proud of, and and I have a ton of him. Um, let's see, because we were we were an A's A's family, so Jose Canseco was also a you know big uh, popular name in the household, um, and even Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, I guess so. If you were seven, I think I must have been five. So at that time, like I was very, very much into baseball where like my dad would take me to card shops or take me to games. Um, and before I could even read, I could like point at the cards and be like, Ken Griffey Jr. And people thought that I could read, but it was just because I recognized the player or, you know, or I'd say, you know, all the team names just from the logos. So, yeah, I mean, we have that same, uh, or we have the tops Ken Griffey Jr. rookie. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm sure we had a lot of different, uh, uh, different sets as well we probably have the upper deck too but yeah it's uh it's pretty awesome because like i'd say out of the 20 maybe half of them i feel like are i mean they're all recognizable names to me of course but like half of them are like these are players that were very popular when i was growing up mm-hmm. in collecting cards which is super fun yeah that is super fun uh, last question. We we tend to always end with a music question, even though we're a baseball show. We're big music fans. So, cool. what do yeah. you like to listen to when you when you're painting? Man, uh, so I'm gonna go uh, call an audible, but I actually listen to audiobooks while I paint. Okay. Um, and and actually, Audible is the the you know Amazon's audiobook company. And mm-hmm. so, every once in a while, I'll put on some Pandora and throw on like usually like no words just kind of electronic music uh like i like pretty lights radio for example is a great station on pandora to paint to um but most of the time i'm listening to an audiobook and it's also really interesting because so much of what i do to make a painting is actually i'm i'm sitting there and i'm cutting stencils so i'm printing out a photograph and then i take an exacto knife and i'm cutting out different layers to make, you know, to turn this photograph into a painting in my own style. And so it's hours and hours of just sitting with an exacto blade and cutting out these tiny little little sections of, of the stencil. And it's a little bit mindless work. So I can kind of get lost in a book and get like completely wrapped up and like, like really engaged in the book while I'm getting hours and hours of work done. And now I can look back at work oftentimes from two, three, four years ago, and I could look at a painting and I could tell you which book I was listening to while I was painting it. And like, I can, I'll like remember Like it just, it kind of like locks into my memory. Like, I don't know, it's it's super weird, but um, yeah. So most of the time I'm not listening to music. I'm listening to books and the genre like varies so much. Like sometimes I'll be doing like sci-fi or like zombie fiction. Sometimes it'll be like very like business oriented, like self-help, personal development, uh, it really varies a ton, and um, yeah, I just I love it. it. It feels really productive to me to be like learning something while producing something completely separate. Um, it's fun. No, that that's really cool. I uh, give our listeners uh, a good recommendation then for an audiobook. Oh man. Um, okay, so I guess we'll go with the zombie fiction because no, actually, we're going to go sci sci-fi dystopian future sci-fi. It's a series called Hell Divers. It's by an author named Nicholas Sandsbury Smith. Uh, definitely, it's my favorite fiction series, and it's also narrated by my favorite fiction narrator, or my favorite narrator, period. In audiobooks, like, getting a really good narrator is equally, if not more important, to getting a good uh, author. You know, so, so this narrator is named R.C. Bray. 
he's amazing. He's done so much work. And then this series called Hell Divers is also a really good series. So, Well, that's awesome, man. Thank you for chatting. Where can folks find you on the internet? If they want to buy some stuff or just tweet at you or whatever. Yeah, of course. So probably the easiest is proathletportraits.com, all spelled out. Pro Athlete Portraits. And then uh, I guess one other separate thing that I'd love to, I'm starting to promote. I'm literally sitting at my computer, been working on this all day, but I'm taking a lot of my art from my archives and I'm starting to put it onto puzzles because everyone's stuck at home and we need something fun to do. And so uh, I'm releasing some art that's never been released before as, as art because somebody else has that art, but I'm actually putting it onto puzzles, which are anywhere from 100 pieces to 2,000 pieces, so from kids to adults. So that's super fun, and that is at blakespuzzles.com. That's really cool. I'm going to have to pick up a puzzle for sure. Uh, nice. Anyway, yeah. Blake, thank you so much for chatting, and uh, take care. Of course. Yeah, have a good one. Thank you again to Blake for coming on the show. I had a great time talking to him about all things art. You can go to proathleteportraits.com, blakespuzzles.com, Follow him on Twitter at Blake Jamison. That's J A M I E S O N. Or go to Instagram.com slash athlete portraits. We will hopefully be back with some more interviews soon. This is a weird off season, as all of you know. I don't know what else to say other than stay healthy and stay safe. And until next time, let's go, Mets. Yeah.